guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Saturday Night Live Stream. As always, I'm Zach Payne. You're watching Red Pill 78, and joining me tonight, first time guest, Project Veritas whistleblower, health and human services insider, a woman by the name of Tara Rodas. You guys may have heard Tara's disclosures on Project Veritas late last year. She witnessed herself the government-sanctioned trafficking of children. Extremely disturbing. I think something that a lot of us have suspected for a long time. But Tara bravely is bringing the sauce on this subject and trying to raise awareness. So please help me out. Do us a favor. Hit the like button. Share the show on your favorite social media platform, whether it's Twitter or Gab or Truth Social, Getter, whatever it might be. Facebook even, Telegram, certainly appreciate it. And if you're watching on Rumble in particular, hitting that like button is probably the easiest, quickest, and freest way that you can support the show. All right, without further ado, please do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and I'm going to be right back after this with Project Veritas whistleblower, Tara Rodas. All right. Welcome back to the program, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, Miss Tara Rodas. Tara, thank you so much for being here. Zach, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. And I really appreciate you shining a light on government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded child trafficking. So thanks, Zach. Absolutely. Well, it's uh, it's something that I do with great glee. I mean, obviously, this is a disgusting practice. There is so much corruption and criminal activity going on inside the U.S. government. The federal government is too large, in my opinion. And it's that uh, that bloat that allows something like this to happen because you've got so many layers and it makes it easy to hide it. And even worse, Tara, in my opinion, are the people who choose to to, to that who understand that this is going on and choose not to say anything about it. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think that every Project Veritas dis- disclosure is important. But for me, uh, I think this one was particularly important. And uh, I'm a little surprised to know that this is only the second interview you've done on this since you came out on Project Veritas. I would have thought that this story would have exploded. I mean, the U.S. government trafficking children to transnational criminal organizations and pedophiles domestically. It's absolutely shocking and abhorrent. Yes, yes. And Zach, it's interesting because I also thought the story was going to get a lot of traction. And uh, as a little bit of insider information, uh, the day the story dropped, a major news network who I'm not going to call out because I do hope one day they are going to have me on their show, Uh, They called Project Veritas and said, we would like an exclusive interview with your whistleblower. Uh, Can you call her and make that happen? See if she's willing. And so Project Veritas called me. I said, yes, I would 
I would be willing to go on their network. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a little bit stressful to do these things and have everyone see your face, especially when it involves transnational criminal organizations. But I think it's the only way to get the word out there and to get the children help. So I agreed. So if you can imagine, I agreed to do this exclusive interview and then uh, the network called back and said, I'm sorry, but um, our corporate office is not going to let us do this story. So nobody wants to talk about government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded child trafficking. So thank you, Zach. Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, I'm not too surprised to hear that. I will name a particular network, not saying this is the network, but I've interviewed a number of people who Fox News has reached out to about their personal disclosures, and then at the last second, canceled the interview just before they were supposed to go on, uh, once on Hannity, and then another one, I believe, on Tucker. Uh, and for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's the the existence of Paul Ryan at the network uh, reaching down into the bowels of the newsroom and telling people he can't talk about certain things. But uh, unfortunately, that's just the way that it goes. There are uh, there, there's a cap on what is acceptable to talk about. And in a yeah. situation such as this, you know, maybe they're not directly benefiting from it, but the network that exists to ensure that this type of activity can continue on unabated, it must stretch pretty far. You know, you look about at somebody like uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell Uh, Their network of people, a lot of very powerful, very rich people extending through business, media, banking, politics, uh, all of them benefiting in some way and having a direct connection to uh, a known child trafficker and pedophile. So you look at that situation and you say to yourself, well, of course, nobody talked about it. There are too many people who have a vested interest in keeping it quiet. And I would imagine that an operation such as this. It's not all that different. It's just that instead of Jeffrey Epstein being the trafficker, it's the U.S. government and it's the people in these federal agencies. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, that is it's true. There are people who absolutely are aware, have been aware for years. They've been called to give account at Senate hearings. So it's not as if people don't know. It's just they're not willing to stand up. They're not willing to stand up and say, no, I'm not I'm not going to be a part of this. And this is not going to be about the numbers and a spreadsheet. This is about children. It's very easy to sit in a, you know, in an office in Washington, D.C. and look at a spreadsheet of a numbers of children and a numbers for those who don't know it's an alien number it's their it's like their social security number you're sitting there and you're looking at a spreadsheet i and the other case managers are looking at children we're looking in their faces you know we're seeing them have panic attacks because they don't know who they're going to i've heard children screaming for their parents I've seen children who had to be put on suicide watch because of stress. So watching a spreadsheet is a lot different than watching these little faces come before you. So it's a it's a big it's a big difference. And there are people who who know this is going on and they need to be held accountable. Absolutely. So. On that note, I I would like to go through the timeline. Uh, You know, uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to be involved in this situation. 
Okay, so people may know that the federal government in early 2021 made a call government-wide to for help. They said, we need federal employees to come help with this humanitarian crisis. And I've been a federal employee for almost 20 years. And my agency, uh, I said, look, this is something I, w- I want to support. This is children. They need you know, they need someone who can sit down and talk with them. And I speak Spanish. My husband is actually from El Salvador. And and so I said, you know, this would be perfect for me. I would love to go out, out and help. And so I, like many other fabulous federal volunteers, we raised our hands and said, we will go help. So that was in May. And I actually deployed to Dallas first for training. And along with every single person, we all went through the Dallas site where we got training and then people were deployed all around the country. And the Pomona Fairplex emergency intake site in Pomona, California had just opened and they needed Spanish speakers. So I was deployed with a team of eight other Spanish speakers and we hit the ground in May. And I was really proud uh, to see so many federal volunteers coming to the help of the children because it's a humanitarian issue. We had people from every spectrum of, you know, the political spectrum, because this is not an independent issue. This is not a democratic issue. This is not a Republican issue. This is a humanitarian issue. These are children, vulnerable migrant children. And so we may all may not agree on all kinds of issues, but we can certainly agree that the United States government, if they're putting a dollar into a program that has to do with children, that mm-hmm. it should be for their safety. Absolutely. And this is a humanitarian thing. Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, but the real rub of the situation is that it appears to be orchestrated so that these unaccompanied children will end up on American shores uh, under the yeah. guise of receiving some sort of sanctuary or, or help or, uh, you know, escape from a terrible situation. But then all too often they end up thrust into what might be a, a more horrible situation. So how did you discover Which, that that mm-hmm. criminal activity was taking place? Yes. So this is the shocking part. And some of my friends, you know, who were there on the site, some of them had worked for Child Protective Services. And they were like, Terry, you were just a little bit too naive to think there was no fraud in this program. And so, uh, yeah, so I went there a little bit starry eyed, like here I'm, you know, I'm here to help. And so in the beginning, that's that's what I was doing. As a matter of fact, I I have here nobody, no one has has had a chance to see this. But um, when I first got on site, I was playing with the children and this little boy, Eric, he is from Guatemala and I've been to Guatemala. So I was able to talk about how much I loved his country and his little journey here and all of that. And, um, you know, I, I thought that that's what I was going to be doing the whole time there, but anytime they needed help with something, I said, sure, I'm here, send me. So, uh, they ask, um, okay, we need people to escort the children to lunch or we need people to escort children to their medical appointments. Uh, I would do that. And, oh, we need someone to escort children to case management. And it just so happened one day when I escorted one of the children to meet with their case manager, there was an urgent call. And this was the very end of May. So I hadn't been on site very long. 
And they said, we have an urgent need for people in case management. So they needed to be able to process the cases. So I went from, you know, just sitting and chatting with the kids to actually being responsible for processing the cases. Um, Still no idea there was any issues in the program whatsoever, believing, I think like most people, that this was a family reunification program. That's what I believed. That's what I thought I was doing when I volunteered. So So it didn't take very... I'm sorry, what does case Mm -hmm. management actually entail? Like, I mean, I can imagine uh, you're sitting at a desk, uh, you're given a stack of papers, each one uh, a a different packet on a different child. And, uh, you know, since you're you're thinking that this is going to be about reuniting those kids with their families, which are are already here, or perhaps maybe they're on their way. uh, And then you just oversee that. But what do you actually do as a case manager? Okay, so. I was part of the federal case management team that was helping to train the case managers. So what the case managers were supposed to be doing, and this, this will be shocking to people. It was shocking to me is they are supposed to be communicating with home country to ensure that the child was, you know, really had someone in home country who could vouch for who the sponsor here in the USA is. Okay. So that was kind of interesting. So they're talking to people back in home country. Then now this is all through WhatsApp or phone calls. So it's not like they ever see this person back in home country. So you don't have then, like paperwork verifying who the person is back in Guatemala or El Salvador. You just have an, a number and maybe a, a, a chat log. Well, there is the number in the chat log from Customs and Border when they hit the border. And then they come to us. It's supposed to be law says within 72 hours, Customs and Borders sends them to one of the emergency intake sites. So we would get them. And then typically there would be a phone number, a contact who this child should be going to. Now, the challenge is I thought, again, this was all family reunification. So I didn't realize that children went to people they didn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, they go to people who they've never lived with before. Right. It's not like they're all being reunited with their parents. So I kind of thought that, wow, everybody's going to a close relative. Mm -hmm. And it was less than two weeks working in case management with two case managers who one had a brother and one had the sister. So they, they came together and we, we couldn't make sense of all this paperwork that was being sent. So The sponsor, the case manager, after talking to someone in home country and talking with the children, then talks to the potential sponsor here in the U.S. But all the documents that are being sent back and forth are being sent back and forth by WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. So they're using an app on their phone. And of course, these people could be anywhere, say anything. A case manager is not an expert in document fraud. Mm -mm. HHS is not a law enforcement organization. It's not like they have FBI investigators looking at the documents or running FBI background checks for the very few that they do background checks on. So suddenly these two children, their stories with the sponsor are not matching. The sponsor is can't verify where the kids are staying. So they send a a consular ID 
because most of the sponsors, this might surprise people, it kind of surprised me that most sponsors don't have legal presence. So they're not citizens or permanent residents. So, so like we rely just, on a lot of... They're just here I- illegally, for lack of a better term. Is that what you mean? Yeah. No official legal presence. Wow. Yeah. So we rely on a lot of consular IDs. Uh, so we were getting these IDs from people. And this in this particular case of this brother and the sister, we couldn't figure out where the child was going because the sponsor has given us an address that did not match their ID. And we're like, okay, we need we need to really figure out where where is the child going? And then they send, oh, well, let me send you an ID of somebody else in the house. And that was a different address. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? So it was on June 16 that I submitted what was called a suspicious sponsor. This is the very first time we had put anything forward. The whole team was freaked out. They're like, don't tell anyone, you know, we're going to get all sent home. And I said, wait a minute. (laughs) I said, if we don't say what we see, you know, maybe, you know, our goal is to just pass forward the information. Somebody else makes a decision Mm -hmm. on the, the safety of the child. So we sent that forward and kept looking and digging a little more. And next thing within, it was just a couple of days, we realized that this actually involved six different sponsors. This was in Bonita Springs, Florida, six different sponsors sponsoring at six different addresses and they had collected more than 18 children and they were all like they were all related meaning not related by birth but the sponsors were related by households Mm -hmm. so this one guy claimed to be a household member in all of these different places but the children were actually unrelated most of the children were unrelated to the actual sponsors themselves, and they had taken children from multiple sites. So it's not like they are sponsoring from just one location. They're getting kids from multiple locations in an attempt to, you know, hide or fly under the radar in hopes that in a crisis situation, in an emergency, people are not going to connect the dots. Sure. So, yeah. So, so Mm -hmm. what's, I mean, I, I think it it sounds like a child trafficking ring, you know, I mean, a, a sophisticated series, uh, like a shell game, you know, you so you've got the all of these different people, all of them claiming various addresses, numerous children going to different places. What is the benefit to these people other than the obvious benefit of child trafficking that a pedophile would receive? Well, I think this has been the horrific realization for me, at least, because remember, I did not know that one child had ever been trafficked through the program. Mm-hmm. So drug tra- trafficking is a one-time use. Child trafficking is residual income for the trafficker mm-hmm. for the life of the child. Yeah. So if it's labor trafficking, they have those children working 12, 14, 16 hours a day, and they're they're making money on that. If it's sex trafficking, it, people tell me sometimes they they will have those girls and boys turn 20 tricks a day. Some people have said even more. So they are building a residual income. And because the administration has relaxed the vetting process, it is a free-for-all. 
Right now, the traffickers know if I want to make, if I want to build up my network and I'm building up my assets, now is the time because we've relaxed the rules and it's, it's really, it's horrific to, if you really let your mind go there. Absolutely. The floor dropped out from under me. I have to be honest when I, when I realized what was happening. So is there any payment from the government for like the, the housing and the care of these children? Is, is there cash stipends that are given over and above whatever these traffickers could extract from the kids themselves? Well, so it's actually a, a little bit complex. So it depends. Okay. But once the child hits the border, of course, we take the children into our care. And I mean, the Pomona Fairplex site, I think the contract for just six months was 90, I think it was $98 million. Wow. I mean, that's public record. You can go yeah. on and look. So, you know, we have an investment in the place. So sometimes the investment is not directly into each individual child, but it's the investment into the program itself. So you figure you're paying almost $100 million to, for the site for six months. You're then paying the contractor six, seven. In this case, they had an open-ended contract up to $800 million. So you're paying, you know, your the contractor. And we are, of course, paying all the federal staff who's there, who's helping, because all of our salaries were be, being reimbursed. And we are caring for the children who are in desperate need of care by the time they get to us. Sure. This is the thing. We have set up a system where we force the children to travel through Mexico. Mm -hmm. And this is unacceptable. I mean, by the time they get to us, I have never in my life known anyone who had to be deloused. Mm. These children are in bad shape by the time they get to us. Some of them have been three months living uh, or longer. Some of them get captured and they say, you know, I, it took me six months in Mexico. So terrible things rape happens along the way. I mean, the fact that we would even incentivize um, children being able to come here and come through the cartels is unacceptable. It's not necessary. So there's that system of which we pay a lot of money for to care for the physical needs and the medical needs and the emotional needs of the children, because we, well, there's not enough therapy to take, you know, to, to pay for what what some of these children are go are going to need later in life. Absolutely. What they've witnessed is is horrific. So there's that expense to care for, and then all of the transportation around the country, mm -hmm. which is millions and millions of dollars. People were hearing about, you know, midnight flights, and yes. Tom Finton recently had foiled where some of the flights were going, and that all costs a lot of money. We've you know, in 2021, it was about 120,000 children flying, you know, transportation all around the country. 2022, more. Who knows what it's going to be in 2023? So if there's a lot of money that way. And then, of course, the children owe money to the cartels. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the girls in the Project Veritas video, she shared, I had, I had to quit school. She's 15. I had to quit school because I have to pay de my debt back to the cartels. Just last week, there was a story. Oh, I'm going to forget which which um, 
which state it was in. It may have been New Hampshire, where a teacher has come under fire because they were trying to help raise money oh, for their that. child in school. Yes, you saw that. Uh, go to pay find the me. Debt to the cartel. Yes, yeah. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, this is real. Now, what we do as, you know, as the unaccompanied child program is we do provide post-release services if the sponsor will allow it. So this is a thing that a lot of, that we didn't figure out till later, is that anytime there was a concern with a child, HHS would just say, oh, well, we're going to give them post-release services. We'll have a counselor call them and, you know, we'll make sure they get connected and we'll make sure they understand how to enroll in school. Well, once HHS who has custody, releases custody to the sponsor, HHS has no say. You know, we can call them up and say, hey, you know, we thought the child um, could benefit from some counseling services. Thank you. Never call me again. Click. Mm. There's no obligation on the part of the sponsor at all to HHS. No one is responsible for the child once the child has been turned over to the sponsor. That's absolutely shocking uh, that there would be no accountability. There would be no checks and balances. Uh, absolutely just cast off into the wild. You know, trust me, the kid's going to be fine. Um, real briefly, yes. Tara, uh, Vector over on Rumble said, not shocking. What, a, what about what Madonna has been up to? Yes, I heard that she had to cancel her tour as a result of the recent claims that were made against her in Malawi at her orphanage. Uh, and then Vector also said Melania did a wonderful job looking after these kids when she was first lady. Um, Tara, I don't know where you stand politically, but for me, one of the reasons I fell in love with Donald Trump is because he was the only politician in modern memory who actually brought up the issues that we're talking about. He was the only person yes. who made mention or attempted to address the issue of uh, child sex trafficking uh, and also yes. transnational criminal organizations. Yes, that appears to have been lost yes. with the current administration. Um, but uh, but yeah, yes. I guess, you know, any any comments on that? Yes. So people were quite upset that it was taking longer to process the children. They were upset. And there are a lot of people who have very good hearts, who believe that the children are going to their families. And so they were protesting out front of our site. Like mm -hmm. we were the bad guys, you know, and we're here playing with the children, doing games with the kids, trying to get them into safe homes. And Donald Trump knew that there were bad actors involved in the program. And he said, oh no, not on my watch. Yeah, I want to know not only who that sponsor is, but who is living in the home with that sponsor. Right. Yeah. That that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, we there are households where there are three and four sponsors at one address who are sponsoring multiple children now because field guidance that has been put out by this administration says, oh, no, you don't have to ask who the household members are. You don't have to do that. And, you know, depending on what category you are, you don't even need a background check. That's so. I mean, that's that's ripe it's, for abuse. I mean, insane. it's 
It's like they set it, they set it up uh, intentionally so that it would just be easier to victimize the kids. And, you know, I also uh, heard in your disclosure that some of these people were known sex offenders. They had records as pedophiles. Is that correct? So we had a case. Now, there are many other people who have evidence of the cases that they saw and that they worked on that there were pedophiles. Mm -hmm. And so we never get to see the backgrounds that come back. So uh, there are a few categories. So if you are unrelated to the child, they will make you go get fingerprints. However, those fingerprints are not like FBI that would show if this person is on the watch list and is a member of a transnational criminal organization. There are things that our backgrounds don't do. But there was a case that I know of personally where we suspected that this person, because they'd given us an ID that had an address on it, the application that they gave us for the child had the same street address, but a different apartment. So that's always a weird thing when they, you know, when they're, when they're saying they're at the same address, but in a different apartment. And so I'm like, okay, we have to look at both apartments. And well, we found out that they had sponsored children at both apartments Mm -hmm. and it was all boys and they were unrelated. And so that is something that my group turned in to the office of trafficking in person stating that we believe this child is being trafficked. As a matter of fact, in that particular case that was in California, there was a person in that household who had been a UC, an unaccompanied child, and now was sponsoring an unaccompanied child. So we see that where they do this daisy chain of as soon as they, you know, turn 18, then they can sponsor. So there's, you know, some crazy things going on with that. So, but this case manager, she was very upset. And she told me, she said, Tara, I know a police officer in California. And I told him about this particular thing. He actually looked the guy up and said he was an unregistered sex offender. Now she showed me on her phone, the photo. I don't have the photo, but she showed it to me. I have no reason to believe that she would lie. Um, These case managers were, once they learned that children were going to unsafe places they started doing all kinds of interesting things to try to figure out what was going on, you know, with the sponsors and trying to make sure that kids were going to safe places. So, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's good to hear that people at least attempted to do something about it. Uh, Tara, we have to take a break for the second half of the show. So we're going to be right back in about 60 seconds. I've got more questions for you. We'll see you guys in a second. All right, guys, thanks for sticking around. Please do me a favor. If you haven't yet, Hit the like button and help us out by sharing this on a social media platform. I don't care where it is. I just want to make sure that more people get their eyes on this story. So, Tara, I want to go back to something that you said earlier. Um, When you realized what exactly was going on and just uh, how prevalent it was, you said the bottom dropped out. So how would you have, um, I guess, described your, uh, uh, your, your perception of the world before this? Because for someone like me and for many people in the audience, you know, I think we just kind of take it for granted. We've known about this for a long time. I think a lot of people have a story a lot like yours. When you recognize that there is an economy of scale that's built around child sex trafficking, it can be devastating. Um, so, you know, so where, where were you at when this happened? So I knew 
of course there's fraud in government programs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew that, right? Everybody knows that. And, and, you know, being in the inspector general community, I, I knew there was fraud. I just never, it never crossed my mind that fraud of this scale, this wicked, this horrible, at such great cost was was possible and that it was known i mean usually if you find fraud in a program you fix it mm -hmm. <laughs> and the you the fat the the more extravagant and horrific the fraud is the faster you fix it sure so to know that this was going on and senate hearings had been had and trafficking of children was going on back in 2014 I was just stunned. So I'm not ashamed to say that I cried a lot of tears alongside a lot of case managers. And I felt for a while like a therapist for, for people. And, and as I'm trying to hold myself afloat, uh, like, really, this is this is going on. And so I obviously you have to think, OK, I either have to get out of here, like just throw in the towel or you have I somebody has to make a decision in that moment is I'm going to do everything in my power as long as I can to raise the issue. And so that's what I did. I just said, I am 10,000% committed to doing whatever I can do now that I know what some of these fraud schemes are is to passing that through the chain, moving that up the chain, sending it to office of trafficking in persons and to HHS office of inspector general. And I thought once Office of Inspector General for HHS had, you know, the information, I was like, the cavalry is coming. I, I, I was convinced that everything was going to be okay. And then I learned that because HHS does not want law enforcement going after their sponsors, HHS does not really have much oversight. And they don't even really have oversight by the Office of Inspector General. They hide their the data on their sponsors, which I think somebody needs to uh, remedy that situation because HHS is obligated to have oversight. That's why this program is a disaster. HHS has lost control of this program and they've lost control because they're hiding in the dark and they're not allowing oversight. So HHS, OIG, the Office of Inspector General, in a week could identify who are these bad actors mm -hmm. and they could go knock on doors and recover these children. But HHS won't give the data. So I think this is something that people right now should, should know. HHS knows the name and the address of every single sponsor. They know their status, every single sponsor. They could run background checks, like real background checks, and see how many of these people are on the terrorist watch list, how many of these people are in criminal organizations in their own country and back home, their country of origin, and how many have been operating and been in prison here in the US they could know that information and they could be knocking on doors and rescuing kids tomorrow mm -hmm. because 
HHSOIG has that capacity to look at the data with their data analysts and in no time, but HHS won't give the data over. Mm. So I thought HHS was going to come in, HHS Office of Inspector General saved the day. And uh, so I've been through those stages of grief about 20 times. And like I said, the floor, the floor fell out from under me. And I just had to say, I'm going to keep doing everything that I can do to keep passing the information forward. Well, you know, of course, as we know, Tara, from the FBI and from uh, the people in Washington, D.C., it's it's right wing extremists that are the greatest threat to America today. They're the ones that the government is paying attention to and knocking on doors. But this obviously, I think, to any reasonable person seems like something that could so easily be addressed. And again, it's the federal freaking government. They have nearly unlimited resources. And there are any number of agencies that I would think could very quickly and easily get involved in this and take these children and rip them from this terrible situation that they're in. What was the response? What were you told when you started passing this up the chain? Well, I think that was the most stunning thing of all is once we had identified particular hotspots and had forwarded them through to HHS, Office of Inspector General, HSI, Homeland Security Investigations, and they were beginning to look into some of the cases, even though they had limited access to data, one day a case manager comes running up to me. So we had identified there's some crazy things going on in Texas. So thank God for Governor... Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton, who were on the case. I mean, they have assembled a human trafficking team. They are looking through the data and they are trying to go out there and rescue some of these kids. You know, like the 15 year old girl who said, hey, I'm I'm have to quit my job. I'm working late nights in order to pay back the cartels. The 16 year old girl who's being sex, you know, pimped out by her supposed aunt her sponsor, right? Mm-hmm. The the 16-year-old girl said, I, you know, I've never met her. I don't know if she's my aunt or not, but she's pimping me out for sex. So Texas, you know, is on the case, but we had this ring in Austin. Uh, there were 109 children in a, in a block. They were in four apartment buildings. And so we had already turned that over and we believed it was being looked into And then a case manager comes running up to me. She's like, Tara, you're not going to believe it. We're sending another child to Austin to the, to the place that you said was already under investigation. And I said, what? So I picked up my stuff and I go running down to the command center, you know, all the executives, they don't sit and actually look at the kids. They're looking at spreadsheets and other stuff. And I I said, look, I said, I've always been told that you want to have, you know, that common sense check. And I work for you. My goal is to keep you off the front page of the Washington Post or the front page of the L.A. Times. You know, we have some crazy things going on here. I said, and I was just told that we're sending another child to Austin. I said, you are aware that we put that case forward and supposedly, right, the Office of Inspector General, HSI, may be looking into this. And the attorney says to me, Tara, you understand that we only get sued if we keep kids in care too long. We don't get sued by traffickers. And she must have seen my my face. I mean, I I just was stunned. And she's like, are we clear? 
Wow. We don't get sued by traffickers. And I thought, I mean, at that point, it was it was another level because not only did I know that they knew, which was horrific enough, but now I know that not only do they know, but all they care about is what they're legally responsible for. Mm-hmm. And that that to me was absolutely uh, unacceptable, that that yeah. is the response of the United States federal government. These are children. Th- this is not about a lawsuit. This is about a child. So anyway, I have no words. So it's pretty, pretty crazy. Is there is there no one above that? I mean, what about filing like an official whistleblower complaint? I mean, this is criminal activity that is it's known. It's essentially sanctioned. Uh, You know, this sounds like HHS is doing anything they can to 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 keep prying eyes out of the situation. I mean, aren't there pathways that are set up to ensure that things like this don't happen or that when they do happen, someone could actually do something about it? Is that the top? Well, it's so interestingly as a whistleblower. So, right. I did get threatened with investigation. Mm -hmm. I'm walked off the site you know that puts a chilling effect on anybody else who wants to come forward my badge is taken um you know my agency they were so concerned for me at this point i mean they offered to send agents to escort me home i declined looking back that probably wasn't wise because who knows what somebody is willing to do of course but um you know it's there there are really good people who wanted to try to make a change, but they're, they're, they're just not willing. They're not willing to see. And it's very, it's very sad. It's, it's very sad. What about local law enforcement? I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, the police are patrolling the streets every single day. And if, they know that there is a local child trafficking ring. I mean, we see busts all the time. I live in Florida. They're, they're, they're uh, you know, famous down here. Uh, Sheriff Grady Judd, he loves putting people yes. on the news and making them famous. I love that guy. So That's I right. know that That's right. there are definitely sheriffs and there must be local police departments that might be interested in looking into this stuff. Or is it is it a yes. matter of, of, of being above their pay grade? They don't want to play around in this federal pool. Oh, no, they would if they had the information. But see, HHS has the photo ID, mm-hmm. the address, right, the name of the sponsor and has the photo ID of the child and the information on the child. But if HHS doesn't share that, there's no way for it to get out. So local law enforcement can't do anything without the information that HHS is holding very close to the vest. And why? Why are they doing that? Because they know. They know. Um, Just the reason that I went to Project Veritas, I did go through, you know, the whistleblower complaint process, and that's still ongoing. Um, I did file things of wrongdoing, which are all being looked into. Um, But so many people would come forward if if they would see action. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I went to Project Veritas is I couldn't even find a whistleblower protection attorney. And I had seen Aaron Stevenson. He came forward in August. 
of, of 21. So I'm sitting on the Pomona Fairplex site, knowing there's trafficking going on just, you know, every day trying to, trying to work as many cases as I can. And I see his, the Project Veritas expose. And at this time he was in the shadows with DHS. Mm -hmm. And he says, transnational criminal organizations are sponsoring the kids. And he showed photos and he showed the field print and he showed the FBI check where they show that this person is on the terrorist watch list. And I thought, what in the world? So I told my whole background check team and I started talking to case managers and I said, look, you know, anything is possible. Anything is possible at this point. I didn't, first, I didn't know there was child trafficking. And then I didn't know who was behind a lot of the child trafficking. But then we found the first transnational criminal organization, you know, person affiliated with that, who was trying to get two children simultaneously, one from the Fort Bliss emergency intake site, and then one from our site. And running this case up the chain is what ultimately got me uh, thrown off the site. Yeah, they did not want that information getting out. But there are lots of members of high-level transnational criminal organizations who are getting who are getting these children who we know were involved in sex trafficking and all kinds of other other bad stuff. So, so it's it's pretty serious. Do you think we're just talking about MS-13 or you said multiple? I mean, are we talking about a variety of transnational criminal a organizations? Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. A variety. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just Central America, if you can imagine that. So, yeah. you know, maybe not even Central America, but yeah, Europe mm-hmm. as well, perhaps. I mean, uh, you know, one of, just as a personal anecdote here, you know, what really opened my eyes to this subject was in uh, in 2015, I read a book about a pair of sisters that had alleged to be part of the MK Ultra program when they were children. And it was written, the book was written by, uh, with, excuse me, a former FBI um, supervisor or something like that. It might, it might have been Ted Gunderson now that I'm thinking about it. But anyways, from their recollections, they were, he was able to go through using FOIA requests and publicly available documents that had been declassified to isolate these uh, various uh, programs that were part of the MKUltra program in certain military bases and different research facilities and, and universities throughout the United States. And so it corroborated their story as to what had happened to them as children. And, um, and part of that was that the intelligence community it plays an active role in a portion of this trafficking. They will use children as an incentive for people that they control, either as uh, bait to blackmail people so they can get them to do what they want, or they will directly handle pedophiles in positions of public trust because they're probably the easiest people that they can control because when they have access to children, they're basically willing to do and say whatever it is that you know, the Mossad or the CIA or, you know, probably any number of other uh, intelligence agencies throughout the world. So that that was my exposure to this, you know, understanding really that uh, some aspect of our federal government was doing it. But when you understand that, you know, something as innocuous sounding as health and human services is involved in it, you know, you have to ask the question, 
How many other federal agencies uh, are aware of this? How many other federal agencies are facilitating this? And then, you know, multiply that by uh, uh, factors of, uh, you know, 10, 100,000. How many people are aware of this? You know, how many different private citizens working in the, uh, you know, administrative portion of our government are fully aware of what's going on and, and they're just choosing not to say anything at all, watching it take place? Yeah, there are a lot. There are a lot of people who know. And so many people have reached out to me and said, you know, I will come forward when the congressional hearing happens. If you can ensure I get a subpoena. Otherwise, I'm going to be walked off my site. They are going after people. I've heard that when people started coming forward at HHS, that they were being moved around Mm -hmm. in their jobs. There are some good people who work at HHS and great people who work at HHS Office of Inspector General. But you don't you don't talk about child trafficking. You will be moved. (laughs) You will be demoted. All kinds of things happen. So um, they have ways to put to put pressure on people and I was very, very scared when I realized that I'm being walked off the site with HHS. This was a federal field specialist. This is a high-ranking person in HHS along with security. And I'm being told I'm going to be investigated, you know, and they did it in the middle of the day. It was like noontime. Sure. So, as you visible know, as make possible. a spectacle of it all. Yeah. It, 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 it it will scare you. I mean, and that's their intent is to is to scare you and hope hope to silence you. So what and did so they people need to stand up? People need to stand up. What did they allege they would be investigating you for? I mean, what you know uh, should have been your crime? Oh, so this is absolutely stunning. This is stunning. So another part of the program that people don't know about or I think most people don't know about is we have a thing what's called an age out, which means in order to be an unaccompanied minor, you have to be 18. You have to literally be under 18. So the day you turn 18, boom, just like that, you're out of the program. You are not an unaccompanied minor. You are what's called an age out. So they escort you off the site. Bye. Have fun. Same thing with what's called an age redetermination. So people, in an attempt to sneak across the border, they want to be part of the UC program. So we had someone who was as old as 29 on our site who came through the program hoping to be released as an unaccompanied minor, but it was obvious she was not a minor. And over time... Right. They find out and they get some of the people to confess that they actually are not a minor. So an age redetermination also is walked off the site by, but they are let into the country. So. Right. I know. Well, and this causes problems. I mean, Governor DeSantis, you may have seen he did a press conference. One of the one of the children who was not was not a minor was sent to Florida and murdered his sponsor. Mm-hmm. So there, there's there's many ways the program can be defrauded. But they claimed, they said, Tara, um, 
we believe that you have violated the code of conduct. I'm like, wow, I one, I didn't know we had a code of conduct. It's not posted anywhere, mm-hmm. but what is it that you're claiming that I violated? And they said, you gave a donation to the program, you know, to someone in the program. I said, actually, no, I did not. I said, I did make a donation to an age out into an age redetermination. I made no donation to anyone who is an unaccompanied minor. Mm-hmm. I said, as a matter of fact, I talked to my ethics attorney before I made such a donation who put me in contact with HHS's ethics attorney. And no one ever said that I could not make a small donation to someone who was being kicked out, you know, of the site sure. with potentially not any money for food for the day. So a lot of our a lot of our minors or the unaccompanied children were coming from Guatemala. Well, they use quexales. El Salvador's on the dollar, but but Guatemala is not. So they wouldn't have cash to even buy a hamburger. Mm-hmm. So I was, along with the child welfare director, who was the highest ranking contractor on the site, I was giving small donations to him to give to the age outs. And I said, yes, I absolutely did that. I said, because I wanted someone to be able to eat for the day. And ethics attorneys told me that I could do that. So anyway, that's what they alleged that I did, which is false. I mean, it's true that I gave a donation. It's false that I made a donation to an unaccompanied minor. Right. So nothing wrong with what you did. They just attempted to twist it and use it as an excuse to somehow get yes. rid of you. So what? what is they your status? They had to get me off the site. Oh, absolutely. They had to get me off the site because they, yeah. You know, you caused too many problems. So, so what's your status right now? Are you still employed uh, in 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 uh, in your agency? Yes, I am still employed in my agency, and I am really hoping that I that I get to stay there. So, because nobody else, I mean, who's going to want to hire me now, right? Sure. Yeah, I love my agency, but no one wants to hire a whistleblower because no. it's a you know it's a scary thing. We we look into things. So it was never my intention to blow the whistle. I just, I had to, because I was able to verify that when Aaron Stevenson came forward with Project Veritas, that there were transnational criminal organizations who were sponsoring the kids. And I found, I found that out and that's what I was putting up the chain. And that's what they did not want to get out. They did not want that information to get out. And so- God put you in that spot so that you could get that information out. Yes, so that's absolutely uh, incredible. That's, uh, yes, you know, a, a testament to the power of it. But so w- what was what was your agency's response to you coming forward with this information? Because uh, I'm assuming, obviously, it's a separate agency. So it's you, you were loaned out to Health and Human Services. I mean, did yes. they have any response on this? Well, my agency, the, the scariest part was I had to tell them then, right? They didn't know I was working trafficking cases. So I had to call and explain that I really may be being sent home, that they are claiming they are going to investigate me. But my agency said, um, you know, they consensed with some of the inspectors general. And they said, you know, we need to, we need to get Tara home now 
We are not playing games with the HHS. We are not going to allow them to investigate her. That's absolutely unacceptable. Tara has rooted, you know, turned her whole life upside down to help this humanitarian issue, to help HHS. She has put so many cases forward. She has really cared about the kids. And now you're going to retaliate against her? No, we're not playing that game. So they recalled me to D.C. and, you know, said that they would do it with agents as escort if Mm -hmm. needed. Because at this point, you know, it involved high level criminal actors as well, as well as, you know, the people at HHS. So. So so since that time, since uh, you went public, um, have you thought at any point that your life might be in danger? Have you received any threats, uh, any direct or overt? Um, I have not received any threats, um, but it is it is definitely a concern. I mean, my husband's from El Salvador, so we know about gangs that operate there. They're they're no joke. And so it it's yeah, it's concerning. I we put in security cameras. Uh, you know, as I've talked to some of the agents I work with, I remind everyone that I'm in good health, the brakes on my car work, and I am not suicidal. So uh it's it's a pretty interesting thing. It's, what about some it's, of your? It's been a journey. Uh, well, I can, you can say that again. That's an understatement. <laughs> um, what about journey. some of your 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 former coworkers there in uh, in Pomona? Are, are you still in contact with anybody? Is anyone else uh, ready to come forward on this subject? So there's a whole bunch of people who are ready to come forward as soon as Congress starts, you know, their congressional hearings and are willing to issue a subpoena. So once they can get a subpoena, because remember, contractors sign NDAs or non-disclosure agreements. So it's not like a case manager can come forward with the information they know without the risk of being sued into kingdom come. But if they're compelled by a subpoena... Exactly. And so there are other a lot of other federal employees who are fabulous, you know, caring people who want to do the right thing. But their agencies, because they weren't actually retaliated against like I was Mm -hmm. there, they were on the site for shorter periods of time where I served. I think I was the longest serving person there. So they were able to go back home before anything bad went down. They were already rotated off the site. Most of my team had already rotated off the site when I was walked off the site. I was training a new team at that point. So there are a lot of people who are just waiting for a subpoena. Do you Can think, you imagine? Oh, I, I, I would love to see it. Um, do, do you think that the structure was such that it would make it more difficult for people to catch on? Like, I mean, was the level of turnover intentional so that people wouldn't dive too far into what was happening exactly? Well, I think the whole reason they put up like an emergency intake site is a pop up site, right? Mm-hmm. It's only can be authorized. It's financially authorized for six months. Okay. So they, I don't think they ever expected that we would find one trafficking case. And it's not like they told us. It's not like they said, hey, one of the most important things is to make sure you keep the kids safe. There are bad actors as sponsors. Mm-hmm. That's not what they were saying. 
You know, the stand-up meeting was we have to move these kids in 10 to 15 days. We have to move these kids. It was actually 10 to 14 days, 10 to 14 days. I mean, we had a stand-up meeting and it was who has been here, you know, longer than 14 days. We've got to get on those cases. We've got to move these kids, move these kids. It was definitely speed over safety, definitely speed over safety. Yeah. They never expected us to find trafficking. So, you know, they're hiring people just off the street. So some of the case managers I talked to, this was the first job they ever had. Wow. Wow. So yeah, the, first the threshold job. is fairly low. They just needed warm bodies who could uh, type and <laughs> dictate. Uh, that's that's crazy. Um, have you been in contact with anyone in Congress, anyone who might be leading uh, a committee that could look into something like this? Uh, or, or is there anyone that you know that would be working on this in this next session that we uh, we just began? Well, so I do have an attorney who is meeting with um, uh, Representative Klein from Virginia on mm-hmm. Monday, and um, he is working. There are five senators. You may know that on December 5th, as a result of the Project Veritas expose, senators called for a congressional hearing, and then they also called for the secretary of HHS, Bercetta, to give account, which hasn't happened yet. But so all of these things are in the works. And I do believe that with the hearings that are going on and have just started with the border crisis, Mm -hmm. that this will be one of those topics. And there's a long line of people who are waiting to to testify and share, share what they have seen. Well, I, I certainly hope they get a chance to tell their story. And I, I also sincerely yeah. hope that we're able to do something, kind of move the needle on this subject, because, I mean, yes. it, it, it boggles the mind. It's it's just uh, hor- horrific to imagine how many thousands of children have been victimized in this administration alone. But I mean, since the inception of the program, I, I mean, it's almost incalculable. And, uh, you know, and it's not it's not like you said before. I mean, this is an ongoing thing. Uh, you know, people are looking at these kids as a, a revenue generation tool. And uh, the people yes. that are participating in this system are just the worst type of scum, the the the, the dregs of society, in my opinion. Well, Tara, I want to thank yeah. you before we open the phones. Thank you so much for coming forward. And thank you again for agreeing to come on the show. Um, you guys, I am opening the phone lines. The number that you can call is on the screen right now. You dial 646-931-3. 3860. And then when prompted, you need to enter the meeting ID. That ID is 821-7641-0144. And then you'll have to enter the passcode 651520. Now you can avoid all of that if you just download the Zoom app on your phone and you just click the link that I am about to drop into all of the chats. I'm dropping it over here on the foxhole. I'm dropping it over here on the uh, Rumble Chat, and then I'm also dropping it over on Odyssey. And if you wouldn't mind, Real Red Pill Fiance just mentioned it in the chat. Please, please stay on topic tonight. This is a really important issue, and I want to make sure that we talk about this uh, with Tara and uh, respect Tara's time when you give us a call. So let's go ahead and bring in our first caller. It is DJ Vector. Tara DJ Vector is an, an Australian correspondent for Red Pill News calling in from down under. Uh, go ahead and unmute Vector. And how are you tonight, sir? 
I'm great, Red Pill. How, how are you going, Zach? Hello, Tara. It's Hi. been a fantastic show. Um, uh, salutations and greetings from Down Under. So uh, um, I've, I just wanted to say you're doing such a great job and uh, oh, I've got a couple of questions for you. So we're praying for you and uh, thank you. don't forget that uh, there are other people all around the planet, not just in the United States, that understand what you're doing. And, um, yeah, we want to save those kids. I can't believe what's happening. It's just shocking. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for your prayers because they are powerful and effective and I need them. So thank you. Wow. Can I ask you the first question uh, and, and I'll give all those salutations and greetings after the fact, Red Pill. Question one, uh, transnational criminal organizations, the Australian Federal Police talk about this a lot. So uh, we're talking about the cabal, the deep state. These are, this is the the trans, the, the globalists, uh, essentially, you know, they've all come together and uh, all the organized crime, they're all just affiliated and associated with each other. It's the first time this has happened in history. I'm not really sure how to express that to normies, which is probably one of my other questions here. Like, how do we say to normal people that this is happening and they're stealing our kids? They're literally stealing our kids on an industrialized level, whether it be the Vatican, allegedly, or or anything else. You know, this this is too much for me to explain to the people that I work with. Yeah, it's very difficult. And I found it challenging to try to communicate the gravity of the situation. Um, It's hard for people to wrap their minds around, right, that the government would be involved in trafficking of children. It's just, it is a leap for people, right? So they have to be willing to see the truth. And the truth is going to be the only thing that is going to set these children free, right? Mm -hmm. The truth, we have to be willing to say and do the research and look because it's stunning. Um, I have here, uh, people could go on and read the Senate report. Um, This is back. I mean, all these documents, they're they're public information. This goes back to 2014, right? Mm -hmm. So where... They knew that these children were being lured and businesses are profiting from it. It was only two weeks ago in the United States that 50 migrant children were found working graveyard shifts in slaughterhouses around the country. So I this saw that is, and they were injured, weren't they? Or they got sick from the detergent or whatever it was. Burns. Yeah, they get yeah. chemical burns. Yeah, chemical burns and who knows what else. But these are children yes, who were, and the only reason that it was initially reported was by a teacher, right? These children, they're working all night long. Some of these are middle schoolers, middle schoolers. People. Oh, they're little kids. They're yes. little kids. Yes. These are little children working in dangerous jobs, well, dangerous even, jobs. Even more than that, it, or, earlier this past summer, I believe it was, uh, maybe it was in Tennessee or Kentucky, but there was another group of migrant children that were found to be working at a Hyundai factory. And uh, I want to say yes, it was like there, there was right. another car company mm-hmm. because they were working for uh, like a, a contractor or something like that. But I mean, you know, it as dangerous as it is in a slaughterhouse, I mean, I would imagine it's pretty dangerous if you're assembling cars as well. And just to, to see the scale that this is happening uh, and uh, and to not believe that a number of people are fully aware of what's going on. I mean, they know that they're hiring children that's illegal. They know they're hiring probably illegal children. 
and they and they are okay with it because they just get to save so much money. You know, I mean, everything is so yeah. expensive nowadays. Anything we can do to keep the cost of beef and cars down, it's disgusting. Yes, yes. And I will say, you know, one of the one of the horrific cases that we worked on, I mean, it was sa- it was the same thing that was back in the 2014 trafficking case that was in this Senate report is how they lure the children because the children, we had four children on different sites. Remember the strategy of the traffickers, don't take them all from one site is to try to get them from multiple sites. So nobody will find out, but these children were working for $2 and 50 cents a day in Guatemala on a coffee farm. Really? Yes. $2 and 50 cents a day. The trafficker is here in the United States. He's got his wife on that coffee farm back home. This is the story that the children said. All I said, you have got to separate these kids and interview them individually. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone like influencing the other. I said, we have to know what's really happening here. These children were told, you know, like after after a while, the woman's able to build a relationship with them and their family. And then tell them, you know, you are so special and, you know, we want the best for you and your family. We are going to pay the journey for you to go to the U.S. and work for $6 an hour. These kids going from $2.50 a day to $6 an hour they think they're going to be Elon Musk rich. Absolutely. They really believe. So when you see these children, they are proud. They don't understand the ones who are being labor trafficked. They actually come here feeling proud, like, wow, I'm going to be able to help my family. What an opportunity. Yes. It's not until they are trapped working on a chicken farm, like in Marion, Ohio at Trillium Farms, or they're, you know, they're, they're trafficked at the Hyundai plant or they're trafficked at slaughterhouses in these dangerous jobs, working all night graveyard shifts that they realize I have, this is not what I bargained for at all. And the, one of the interesting things that Project Veritas was able to show in the second video was how they get them fake social security cards, mm-hmm. right? So yes. they're, they, it's a whole network, right? So they need they have someone who's making money off making the fake social security cards. Beca- and because they have fake social security numbers, they can't open a bank account. So they have to cash their checks at a particular place that also then takes part of their pay. So they are making money hand over fist off the backs of these children. I mean, they really see them as as assets. And that's what people are going to have to wake up to. It's a horrible, it's a horrible thing. I, like I said, I've been through the stages of grief so many times. I felt like the floor dropped out under me. Isaiah 41 kept me sane. (laughs) And it's, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing. It's a huge network, huge network. May I I ask a question? Um, So to me appears that, um, They've monetized everything else. So now they're they're monetizing human beings, uh, especially children. And we can all go into the esoterics and uh, we won't discuss that at at this point because you can go wild about it. But um, I do believe that they're trying to depopulate the planet. And so they've unleashed all sorts of forces that 
want to break and destroy, especially bring down the United States of America. They want to bring everybody in and make everybody even and level. But what that actually means in reality is that the United States gets broken down for no good reason. Uh, and then we just flood the country, especially with criminals. I don't think Trump's uh, exaggerating when he says, look, you know, they're emptying their prisons and all the rest of it. They're, they're sending their worst people, not their best people. And I think there's something in that. There are also many, many terrorists that are being apprehended at the border. Let's not even get into the uh, Afghanistan transfer, we'll mm-hmm. call it, after the the debacle but um you know at least 51 from memory in july of last year uh actual terrorists on the terrorist watch list were apprehended at the border these are the people that we know about it yes so um how many you know we have a serious problem what's going on in the future trump warned us about and i I, I hate keep going on about trump's predictions but he's always right i'm really sorry to say that but like He's hardly ever been wrong about anything. Like there are going to be 9-11 style terrorist attacks, whether it be from the debacle and the $87 billion that we spent, spent, left deliberately, uh, arming the Taliban. Uh, now they're selling all of that stuff to Russia and all the all sorts of other countries and all of our technology, those beautiful big Apache helicopters, all the rest of it, the people with the footage jumping out of planes at high altitude and killing themselves, you know, riding with Biden, where are we at here? We're in a point where human life means nothing. I suppose this is my point here before I go. And um, it's very disappointing and discouraging. Go ahead, Tara. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point about how um, they don't see people as human or value that. So it makes a big difference, your worldview, right? If Mm -hmm. you see this child as a child a person, an individual made in the image of God to whom I am accountable for how I treat them, this wouldn't be happening, right? Yep. Yes, ma'am. If they believed there was going to be judgment for their behavior, but see, they don't. They don't believe that. And so they believe that all they can do whatever they want and they can use people to make money and it won't be, it won't be seen. Above the law, really, though, Tara? Are they really above the law? Well, thus far, I mean, it's been going on. It's been going on in this program since at least 2014. I had the honor to meet, um, I was telling Zach, uh, Dr. Uh, Jason Piccolo out of the shadows. He was a whistleblower from DHS. And he says, in the summer of 2015, He was working for the DHS human smuggling ring. He says, it changed my life because I discovered disturbing information. We are releasing children to criminals. This has been going on. It's not like people don't know. So the question is why, why are there people who are above the law? Why, why is there a two tiered justice system? Red Pill, isn't this the yeah. first thing, like restoring the law and order? Otherwise, we, we, we got nothing. Oh, yeah. Like, no, yeah. I absolutely agree. You know, I mean, I think I think the easy answer here is that this is bigger than most people can possibly fathom or would like to admit. Uh, there is yeah. uh, there's there's a lot of criminality, a lot of corruption happening in the government. I think that the question really is, you know, how much of it 
is intentional and how much of it is just laziness. You know, I mean, who who knows and is profiting from it and who knows and who just doesn't want to mm-hmm. wreck up, you know, mess up their uh, their living situation. You know, I mean, everybody's got a mortgage. Everybody's got a car payment. Everybody has a family. You know, it's like the same thing with yes. uh, people capitulating when uh, when they were forced to take uh, uh, the, the COVID-19 vaccines. You know, I mean, it's like, hey, do I really want to lose my job or do I just want to take the chance on what might happen? You know, I mean, if, right. if people tell me it's safe and effective okay i'm just gonna i'll just take johnson and johnson it's one shot but um you know unfortunately uh obviously that had a lot of bad uh uh, ramifications for a lot of people and in this situation Mm -hmm. you know there are certainly people who are directly profiting and and they're enjoying the 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 wicked fruit that they're harvesting off of this situation and then there are other people who are just too scared to do anything because they don't want to end up getting threatened they don't want to lose their job they don't want to lose their status Mm -hmm. um yeah it's wow it's, it's horrific. And I think right. that you make an excellent point, Tara. You know, the the the, the degradation, the demoralization of society, the, the loss of uh, of our religious faith, uh, the, the loss of uh, our connection with God uh, has uh, allowed people to go down a very dark path. Because if you don't believe yeah. there's anything after this, you know, what's the point? I can do whatever I want. It's like uh, straight hedonism here as long as we're on Earth. You know, I just want to make as much money as I can. I want to, you know, go to bed with as many people as I can. And I just want to do whatever makes me feel good. I mean, it's like Satanism personified. Listen, Vector, we got to take the next caller. I don't want them to hang up. So I really Thanks. appreciate you yeah. calling in, buddy. Thanks oh, that's for great, calling. bro. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Red Pill. Thank and thank you. you to your audience. I'll see you another time. Take care. All right, Thanks, brother. Guys. Have a great Bye. night. Stay safe. God bless. Uh, also, Janice6966 over on Rumble says, we are entering the age of mistrust. Things have been set up so we'll all doubt each other. Motive is more important than actions. That's And that's exactly the point that I was getting to. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and bring in the next caller. Caller, make sure you mute that stream. And welcome to the program. Can I get your name? Freya and Boys. Freya and boys, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you so much for calling. Uh, Freya, you, Freya and boys, you are a former law enforcement officer, if I'm not mistaken? No, uh, retired military. Retired military. Okay, sorry. So so what, what do you think about Tara's story? What's on your mind? Well, first of all, Zach, I'm going to change my name from now on when I call in. Okay. 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 It's going to be Loki. Loki. It's going oh. to be Loki. That's way easier. Loki. I'm <laughs> awesome. Loki. I'll, I'm happy to call you Loki from now on. All right. Go ahead. Loki's one of the boys. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so I'd like to tell Tara, hey, thank you so much for what you did. You are you you are a brave individual. You know, you know, I, I volunteered to go into Iraq at the age of 38. Wow. But what you have done, what you have done is way above and beyond god bless you so much oh thank you thank you and thank you for your service it was my pleasure you know i i had had some questions is there a is there a big waiting list for people trying honest people trying to to help these children or are we not responding to that as americans when you say to help them do you mean to sponsor them yeah, like yes. le- legitimate people that okay. are hoping to legitimate sponsor these children people. with 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 uh, uh, you know positive intentions. What is the ratio? Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, I couldn't speak to what the ratio is, but I do know that there are people out there who really do want to sponsor the children. So HHS 
does have long-term care for the children and who they're not able to place. And there are people who, if you like foster care, you must become uh, licensed by and approved by HHS. So let's just say you were a foster care person here in the U.S. right now, you still wouldn't be eligible to be a foster parent for an unaccompanied child. That requires another process. You would still have to go through their process. But there are good people who want to who want to help the children. A lot of times they just don't know how. So they would need to contact HHS, find out how to get on the list to be a sponsor for an unaccompanied child, and then go through that process, the vetting process. So those people actually would get vetted. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So these traffickers, what kind of process are they going through? Well, it's right now it is speed. It is speed over safety. If, if the child um, has, has come across the border with the phone number, we, I mean, uh, those children are being moved a, quickly. A, I'm sorry. Say again. I think there's a, you know, a, a, a problem there. You know, we, there's a huge problem. If, if it, Understatement. If the traffickers got access and good people don't, then what are we doing? Well, that is a very good question that someone needs to be answering. HHS needs to answer for this. They know full well, they know full well that when you're moving children in 15 days, 16 days, that how much vetting are you doing? Secondly, the background check team, they're regular people, they're contractors, they're not law enforcement. HHS is not a law enforcement agency, so they're not able to do proper background vetting on the people. And that's the thing that's stunning, which has been proven by DHS whistleblowers who have access to the real information, not just um, Piccolo, but also Aaron Stevenson. They're able to see the real background check. So they're able to see, yes, this person is involved in MS-13 or 18th Street gang or on and on and on all the different gangs that are out there. So if a real background check was done, they would see this. But no, you know, in 10, 10 to 14 days, they're they're not going to properly vet these people. You know, what's interesting is I I, I recently purchased uh, a gun that took me nine or 10 months to get. The ATF took that long to look into me and to consider whether or not I should be allowed to purchase that firearm. And the idea that you can get yourself a brand new child in 10 to 14 days when it takes that long for you to get an inanimate piece of aluminum, steel and polymer, you know, it's absolutely disgusting. Right. So this is what I've tried to say to people. Okay. Think with me, right? Think with me. Imagine that you are a child welfare person or any, any person, just imagine who would turn over a child to someone. You've not seen that person face to face. You have not seen that household face to face. You don't know how many people are there. You don't even know if the address they're giving you is, is where they really live. You do not know if that person has financial ability to care for the child. 
and you don't know what the criminal history of that child is, what sane person says, yep, good to go. It makes zero sense. We would not do that with a child here in the United States, and we should definitely not be doing that with migrant children. It is, it's abuse in an insane, it's, it's inexplicable. That's all I can say. It is unacceptable and HHS must be held accountable. They know that they are turning children over to criminals. They know it. They've known it for years. So I don't know what it's going to take to make them stop, but I hope that Zach and everyone on this call, um, is going to be part of the solution. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, no, this, you know, if there was ever have, anything that you should be contacting your elected representatives over, I mean, this is it. Uh, there are agencies that are their sole purpose is to provide oversight for situations such as this. And we have a vast network of law enforcement agencies in the United States that it just see with just a little bit of interagency cooperation. You could solve this problem like so quickly. You could probably still place kids in 10 to 14 days and and provide background checks and adequate record keeping to ensure that you're not going to be putting them into the hands of gangbangers. And, and and pedophiles and people who are trafficking them in, uh, you know, child sex operation. I mean, it just, it boggles yeah. the mind. It, yeah, it, we, it's, we, it's entirely possible. We have to make a special, we have to make a special exception for what's going on right now. I have, I have seen and I have felt true evil, okay? Yeah. And this is the sort of thing that uh, if you allow it, you, it's, it sounds like we're just playing it off like it's nothing big. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just a, it's just another thing that's screwed up in our government. You yes. Know? And and that's the part that really kills me is that it took a woman with your strength to come out and be a whistleblower. Now we know this stuff has been going on for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For crying out loud. Yeah. Where where are all the people with the little cojones? Yeah. Well, and where are the journalists, the honest journalists who are out for the truth? Where are they? Well, you're 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 on one of them's show right now. Yes. Yeah. And so God bless you for yes and for, for getting thankful. on Zach's show. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful to Zach and for the other whistleblowers who put me in contact with Zach, and I'm very thankful to Project Veritas. They were the only ones who said, you know what. We care about these children. We're going to go knock on doors and we're going to see if this is true or not. And where are the other journalists? I mean, there are there are journalists out there. Sarah Carter. Sarah Carter had a absolutely, I mean, frightening, frightening story with where she interviewed a smuggler in El Salvador. And the smuggler said, you know, it's it's. It's not the labor traffic and the, and the sex trafficking that's got me, you know, up, upset. He explains that, yes, there are people and they want a child this age and they want them to look like this, that or the other thing. But he said the thing that bothers me is that they are forced organ harvesting children. Sure. Now, oh my goodness. this is what a smuggler said. Now, we know all these networks are connected. So 
I don't know what it's going to take to get people to say this is not an independent issue. This is not a Democratic issue. This is not a Republican issue. This is a humanitarian yeah. issue. And this is this is evil at, at the of the highest, highest mm-hmm. order. Mm-hmm. You nailed it right on the head. Where are the journalists? If, if, if the average American knew exactly what was going on here and the intent of all this, oh, my goodness, we wouldn't. It'd be over in a, in a month. Yeah. And if they'd ever looked in the eyes of one of those children or heard them screaming for mm. their parents, you know, one thing that you a know, lot of people, one of my, oh, go ahead. My biggest, one of my biggest memories in Iraq is that I was on an overwatch and I was there for months looking at the same, same house, the same village. And there was always this little girl that would come out and play briefly during the day and it was the highlight of my day because it gave me a little bit of a you know sense of you know there is a little goodness going on you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh the children we just can't let that happen right no, we, yeah no we can't and what was really stunning well, to me what, you know go ahead what do you what do you think what do you think the uh ratio is for for the child child labor and the sex trafficking that's a good question i've not seen any data on that and i'm not an expert on that i know that when they find some of the rings they're huge right like they find 50 kids working at one place so what the ratios are i don't i don't know the answer to that i would imagine there's probably a fair amount of overlap too you know i mean if you've got someone who is trafficking children for labor they're probably also trafficking children for sex work i mean you know it, it seems like they have monetized these kids in any way that they can and i don't think they're going to leave a dollar on the table if they have the opportunity listen loki i want to make sure we get to the other callers on the line so i appreciate you calling in tonight and uh, any final yeah. thoughts for Tara? Uh, Tara, you nailed it with the prayers. I am praying for you. And Thank you know, I remember when your story first came out, and it, I was fabric glassed, and all of a sudden, then you disappeared. You know, and yeah. thank you so much for coming out. And I hope you go on a circuit, and you, you go to Badlands Media, go to, go everywhere you can, and spread your message. I know it's a lot of work, but it's it's so important. And and I hope I hope I hope maybe Tucker Carlson gets a hold of you and and takes you onto the mainstream a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. Some something's gotta get done here. We can't allow this to happen anymore. I think we're close. I think some, some things are gonna pop. That was something else I wanted to wanted to ask you. Are are you where do you stand with, with everything that's going on as far as uh uh all these conspiracy theories that are going on. Are you, are you hip to it or? Um, well, I, you, if somebody would have told not, me, not only that, but do you, how, do, how does, well, if you, you would have told that, me that fit so into your situation? probably the easiest way to answer is if you would have told me in on the day I got on the plane to go to Dallas to deploy that the government was involved in sex trafficking and labor trafficking, I would have said you were a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Now yeah. people are calling yeah. me the conspiracy theorist. So, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> she, you're aware of these shots are not good for people. 
Yeah, you can't yeah, really well, put that genie back in the bottle. I mean, once you once you right. open your mind to this stuff, uh, everything else becomes uh, a lot more believable. Uh, all right, listen, right. Loki, I appreciate the call, buddy, and I hope you have a great night. Yep. Yeah, thanks right. for your service. Thank you, Zach. You, you too. Thank God you, bless you both. God thank bless. Thank you so much, Tara, for, for your bravery. All right, we'll see you, buddy. Appreciate that. Uh, over here on Rumble, Cranop59 says, this t- this topic tears at my soul. Americans who have awoken are the walking wounded, but we put one boot in front of the other and persevere. Much love, my friend. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. You guys, we have two people on the line. So if you're the first person, which is Gino, and you're the second person, don't hang up. Here comes Gino. And uh, and again, uh, if you want to call in, we've got 25 minutes left. So we got plenty of time to take additional callers. And we're just waiting for Gino's microphone to connect, and it looks like it has. Welcome to the program, Gino. It's good to see you again, friend. Hi, RP. How are you, my brother? I'm doing good. You're a little bit hot. If you can tune that mic down just a little bit, that would be awesome. Sorry. Is that better? Yeah. Even a little bit lower would be fine. Okay. Okay. There you go. Okay. Hi, Tara. How are you? Good, Gino. Thanks so much for calling in. Oh, no, thank you. I appreciate all you're doing. Uh, so courageous. Um, I, I was listening to the story and I do a lot of work with uh, child trafficking also. Oh. Um, so I've been dealing with uh, teams of people dealing with CPS corruption. And I, I am just astounded how striking, strikingly similar the situation that you're dealing with is what I'm dealing with. And it's amazing to me that in this country the greatest country on earth that we don't protect our children Um, just in CPS alone from CPS foster care, over 800,000 kids a year are taken from their parents and it's not abuse. It's not, you know, drug use. It's not all the things that we're accustomed to hearing. It's literally stealing children from loving parents. And you've got a very similar thing going on here with the border. Yes. And I'm just, my question is, have you seen, uh, or talk to any whistleblowers that kind of cross paths between, say, CPS or some of these other organizations that are uh, placing kids in child care or foster care that maybe kind of cross paths because you're kind of dealing with the same thing. Right. So that's a great question. And I actually have not crossed paths with any whistleblowers who are saying that. However, people who I've talked to have said, are you aware the same things are going on in the foster care system, yes. which I was not aware of. So um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of some of the groups. So I was recently at Turning Point and there was a mom's group who had come up to me and said, wow, this is almost the same thing that's going on in foster care. I wish I could remember the name of the group right now off the top of my head. I'm sorry, I cannot recall at this moment, but it's very sad that this is also going on here, right, in the foster care system. So I feel like I feel like the situation in HHS was kind of modeled after what they perfected in the foster care and CPS system here, you know, because I mean, this is a very familiar story. I mean, as we know, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, And who was Gina, you might remember the uh, the the Georgia legislator that was attempting to blow the whistle on this. And then she was mysteriously murdered just after she came forward and announced that she was going to be addressing this. Yeah, that happened, um, gosh, when was that? Probably 10 years ago yeah. now. And her husband was also su- also uh, murdered. Mm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's sad that this is actually going on in this country. And and 
I'm ready to go to Congress. I mean, we've got a team of people that have been working like nonstop, great women, mostly women in this movement um, that are just willing to blow the whistle and come forward. We have a lot of case managers uh, that work for CPS or work in foster care and have seen the corruption. It's it. I, I can't even sleep at night anymore. I think about it all the time because it's so sad what is going on with these poor kids and these families. Um, I, I host a podcast. So I'm not trying to plug my show. <laughs> You're <laughs> Sorry, good. RP. I just, no, I, I've had... Uh, but I, this is what we we focus a lot on. And we've had so many great people on in the last six months that I can't even tell you how brave these people are, just as, as you are. And I, I understand, you know, I'm praying for you, by the way. I'm a Christian, so I'm, I will you. be praying for you and praying Thank for God's you. protection over you that you. Um, he will keep you safe throughout this. But I'm hopeful that there's going to be a lot of people this year that are going to step up to the plate and say, you know what? Enough is enough. No more. Not on our watch. We can't let children be taken uh, from their loving parents anymore. It just can't happen. And the same thing with the border crisis. It's ridiculous. I don't know if you know, Christy Hutcherson, I was just talking to her a couple of weeks ago. She's actually doing a documentary down there in, um, I think it's in, uh, Puma. Yeah. Uh, no, no. What's, what's the county in, in, uh, Pima. Pima. Yeah. Pima. Pima County. Um, and so they just found another tunnel down there that was undiscovered. Uh, they're documenting that. I mean, it's it's horrendous what's going on, and it's all trafficking. Yes. It's a hundred percent trafficking drugs, weapons, and children. Yes, yes. Well, and and don't yes. forget what we just learned was taking place in the suburban Atlanta area. There were those oh, two yeah. guys. One of them who was uh, uh, had had claims of child abuse made against him in the past. They adopted those two developmentally disabled boys from uh, right. in, in, an orphanage. And they just got a free pass. They didn't even look into them because they were a protected class because they were a gay couple and they were pimping those children out to an Atlanta pedophile ring. You know, it's that's not a microcosm. Atlanta is not the only place where this is happening. They just happened to get caught because they were particularly hubristic and uh, and open about what they were doing. They 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 ended up putting it all over the Internet. Exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, Nancy Schaefer was that. Georgia Congressman, yes. Congressman, Nancy Schaefer. Yeah. Um, wow. yeah, should have mentioned that. Yeah. And you know, it's anybody that stands up, it just seems like they mysteriously disappear. And I'm, I think it's time that people just stand up. You have to, yeah. there's, there comes a time when men and women in a country have to stand up and say enough is enough. We are not taking it. This is our country. It's we, the people, it's not you. Um, and we got to get in there, you know, and we're, we're peaceful, we, yes. we don't do things the way the left does things, but we do have to be vocal and we yes. do have to go before board meetings and we're trying really hard to get before Congress. And, yes. you know, I hope, I hope you're right. And they start subpoenaing some of these, you know, people that you're working with your colleagues, mm-hmm. because we need to do the same thing. I, I would love all of us yes. <laughs> to just get there in the same time frame and get and show them, look, this is, this is unfathomable. This cannot continue anymore. Exactly. And and Gino, you'll you'll totally resonate with what I'm about to say. Um, we are to be light and salt in this world, and we mm-hmm. need to be able to speak the truth when we see it. And the truth is gonna is gonna liberate the situation. People have to be willing. They have to be willing to come forward. And I'm just grateful to Project Veritas. But, you know, it it's kind of makes me feel a little. 
uh, unworthy when people say, oh, wow, you know, you're so courageous. Mm. There were people who walked with me and Project Veritas walked with me. Awesome. And some of the other whistleblowers, you know, walked with me. This has been a very hard, you know, it's a hard road. So I understand that what I'm asking people to do is not easy. Right. It hasn't been easy for my family. It hasn't been easy for my friends, you know, my coworkers, my office. It hasn't been easy, but it's worth it because I can sleep at night in peace, knowing that I've at least spoken the truth. I, I've done everything that I can do, and I'm going to continue to do that. Right. And so I'm, I'm asking people, and thank you for, you know, Zach, for giving the platform. I'm asking people, if you see something, say something. If you know something, come forward. Write your congressman. Call your congressman. Call Project Veritas. Go on one of the shows. It's, I, I'm... I know it's not easy because I'm I'm doing it. It's a little bit scary, but <laughs> I'm asking people come forward. Well, I can tell you, I've had several weird incidents that never have happened until the last <laughs> few months. Um, literally, my internet will just cut out in the middle of a broadcast. Like it's a lot of weird things that have never happened before. So I know we're on to something. We're we're poking a hornet's nest, but yeah. you know what? I'm I'm. I just can't do it anymore. I can't sit back, sit on my hands. Like, no. like this is important. And I feel like God has called me and I know you feel the same. Yeah. And I know Zach, you know, Zach's been a great help to the movement too. I mean, Thank you. we love what Zach does and he's just, you know, always been a, a beacon of truth and we appreciate that. And there's platforms like this because the, you know, as you guys know, the mainstream media is never going to touch us with a 10 foot pole. It's, it's how this can't be the biggest story in human history that in America, over a million kids can go missing and no one talks about it like that. Mm -hmm. That's insanity. Yes. And, and yeah. the fact that, that they just sit back and they they're complicit with it. I mean, I think they are complicit. They, they know oh, what's going they on. Are. They're not ignorant of it. Yeah. And, well, I mean, look at Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. It, it wasn't okay to talk about Jeffrey Epstein until he was dead. And then he couldn't say anything, you know, the, he, he was certainly wasn't going to tell on anybody at that point. The right. FBI had all of the blackmail videos. They weren't going to release them. Only at that point were they willing to talk about it, you know. So in a situation like this, nobody's saying anything in the mainstream media because there's too much money changing hands. I mean, there are people who are profiting from this yeah. and they're not going to go above their bosses heads. You know, I mean, if if somebody is brave enough to talk about this, it gets relegated to like, I don't know, a, a, a segment at the end of the show or maybe somebody just right. touches on it briefly i mean i haven't seen anybody covering the uh the hyundai thing i didn't even hear about the hyundai thing until i started looking into this particular story you know and tara mm -hmm. told me about the the meat processing plants where the kids had been yeah. found that's nowhere to be seen you know obviously it's nope. it's it's an, it's an epidemic i mean it's happening all over the place i mean it's not an isolated case here it isn't. And you know, the thing that's really frustrating for me is there's not enough men in this. If men would stand up, we could end this thing in a day. But I, what I've noticed is there are so many brave women in this movement. I mean, it's incredible the amount of women that are standing up for, you know, the mama, the mama bears, I guess yep. it's, you know, yeah. the soccer moms, they're like, no, enough mm -hmm. is enough. They're the ones going to the board meetings for CRT and all this garbage at the school mm -hmm. and standing up for these children that are being trafficked. And it's time that men, you know, I would, actually, if, if you don't mind, Zach, I'd like to shout out Sean Anon. Yeah. Sean, thanks, bro. Sean has been doing great work. He's jumped the board. I know Johnny, Johnny Q has been working. Jimmy over there, One Leg Patriot, all them guys, they're, they've come on board and we appreciate it. We need more guys like that that are ready to stand and fight and say, you know what? Enough is enough. On yes. our watch, it ends. And I, I really feel like this is going to be a really good year for all of us. 
Um, but we do need to get before Congress. All of us need to get there and tell them, end it. It's now's the time. Yes. No more, no more delays, no more waiting. Nope. It's now it has to stop. Yep. Sorry. I get, I get really passionate about this because <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I have three adult children, but I also have a 10 year old and I can't even imagine something happening like that to my children. And, and Zach knows the people I work with and, and it's, I've, I've had to see her, this particular person deal with a lot and it's a lot of trauma. And I don't know how, how you ever get rid of that trauma, to be honest, without God, honestly, like it's, it's terrible what happens to these kids and, and our yes. government is complicit in it. And they're, they're, they're propagating it. They're, they're promulgating. It. They're literally incentivizing them to do this. They are incentivizing. And that is, that is something that people need to understand. They are incentivizing because they're making it so easy and they have relaxed the vetting process, yes. you know, so they, they are. And so that's why we have had such a surge. You're talking more than 121,000 children in one year. That is crazy. And why is that? Because it is financially great for, mm-hmm. for the traffickers. It is. Because they're, they're building up their assets and it's a terrible, it is a horrible thing. You know, that, if people, helpful. yeah, if people knew what they were actually doing to some of the children too, um, I, it's, I can't even speak of it. It's so, it's so disturbing. I know a lot of us know about the organ harvesting, but it's, it's worse. It's, mm-hmm. and you don't think it could get worse, but it is worse. And, and like, I, I don't want to be descriptive because it's too grotesque, but I think people need to understand that's the level it's at. Like they do not look at these children as human beings. No, yeah. they, don't. they use that's them true. as objects. They use them as tools it's it is really really disgusting yes yes Um, and i was i was actually speaking to um one of the prosecutors in florida so i have to i have to give another shout out to governor ron DeSantis and to um attorney general um ashley moody because they are serious about trying to break the backs of the transnational criminal organizations that are operating in florida and they are not going to have child abuse going on under their watch. Excellent. So they're trying to figure out ways. But some of the things that they told me I, I were were absolutely, you know, hair raising wow. to, to how they would harm, you know, harm children. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely people. We just cannot imagine that somebody would do this to a vulnerable child who needs help. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in the United States, in most places, it's it, it's more challenging to get a pet at the pet store yeah. than it is to get one of these unaccompanied children. And I think people need to understand that. I think because there's like media blackout, no, we can't talk about it. People just don't know. They don't understand. I mean, I volunteered for a mission that I thought was helping children. And yet trafficking had been going on in the program for years. So I, I didn't know. So how could, and I consider myself, I've I've worked for the government for almost 20 years. So I would think that I would be aware of these things, but I had no idea the level of evil that's going on in some corners of of the United States government. And we are the greatest nation in the world and we should be able to protect children this program 
is $10 billion over the last two years. Oh, my God. I mean, that's it right there. $10 billion, okay, in two years. It's unreal. Anybody, anybody can go on the HHS website. So it's So this program, it's Health and Human Services, Administration of Children and Families, Office of Refugee Resettlement, Unaccompanied Children Program. So it, you know, it's, it's a, the hierarchy, but mm-hmm. you can go in there and they have some transparency around contracting and grants. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of people don't realize that sometimes agencies even get more money in grants than they get in contracts. So there's tons of, there's tons of grant fraud that never gets found. Oh, oh yeah. Because yeah. More people are looking at contract fraud, yeah. but there's all kinds of interesting things going on. People can go there and they can look. So if you're telling me, I mean, you just have to ask yourself, right? $10 billion and we can't keep children <laughs> safe. That just doesn't pass the common sense test. No, sorry. No, no it doesn't. Nope. Listen, Gino, uh, yep. I want to make sure we get to this last caller. So yep. I re- appreciate Thanks. you calling in, buddy. And thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, yeah, thank God you. God bless, Gino. God bless you. Thank you. Take care, brother. We'll see you. Uh, I need to say thank you to Hopeful Faith 69. She says uh, the two different groups should merge and go before Congress. Yeah, I mean, it, it's essentially a common cause. I, I think that there's uh, there's there's a lot of uh, intelligence to that idea. Uh, and I want to go through. We've got one caller on the line. Somebody else was there, but they hung up. So if you call back in and we are still have a few minutes, then we'll be able to get you on. But um, let me just go through the thank yous on Foxhole. I, I think there might be a couple of questions for Tara. Um, thank you to uh, Sean Joe, Invader369, Vader Drive. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine cookies. Thank you very much. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you as well. Matt1776, one of the creators of the Foxhole, said Red Pill on Saturday. That is a thumbs up. Thank you for that. And then one, two, three, four, four more cookies. Uh, Karen Hare, thank you as well. Emily UK said Evening Red Pill and everybody, thank you. Always interesting guests. Uh, Pacific Northwest Sasquatch, thank you for the can. Uh, Rare Sense, thank you for the phone. Ventmore says uh, 07 Zach, great guest. Uh, Good to see you, bro. Uh, Daisy Chains, thank you for the gold pills. Average Joe Patriot says Save Our Children and God Bless Both of You. Sean Joe, thank you. Matt1776 just said cheers. Sean Joe, appreciate the cookie. And also said, God bless Tara Rodas. Uh, world in the USA need more people like Tara. Uh, Patriot 1776 says, congrats to Brad and Abby. The wedding was fantastic. My friend Brad and Abby got married today. Congratulations to them. Uh, Vader369, yes, super big congratulations. Brad is a co-host with me on my Wednesday night show. Uh, Liberty oh. Bells says, great show, Red Pill. Thank you, and thank you to your guest. God bless. Uh, Cuba Anon says, thank you for bringing us Tara Rodas, Red Pill. God bless you both. Michelle Ann says, it's nice to see Gino. Porpoiseful dropped a cookie. Rare Sense said, God, please continue to protect the brave souls that are helping to save the children. And then Daisy Chains dropped the um, another uh, gold pill donation. So bringing in our last two callers right now. Uh, and coming in next is... One leg patriot, one leg patriot. Okay, what's up, brother? Good to see you. Good seeing you. How are you doing? Absolutely well. Uh, thank you very much for calling. What's on your mind? Well, I just wanted to say I heard uh, Gino give me a shout out, and Sean and On and Johnny. All of us have been, you know, busting our butts out here trying to get this uh, child trafficking and uh, e- even the, the social emotional learning in the in the schools uh, uh, taken care of and. 
you know, it, I think a lot of this all plays together. If we're going to get the whole fight taken care of, uh, you know, we all need to, you know, get out there and do our own individual thing, but also come together and yes. try to get some, uh, some legislation in place. You know, uh, I'm going to speak in front of the Idaho state school board on the 15th and the 16th of, uh, of February. And good for you. Uh, yeah, we just, we need to, uh, to jump out there and I mean, get active. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, whether, you know, you're, you're, you're even your local school districts, we definitely need to, uh, to get out there and speak and, and, you know, they have to give you the time, you know, there is to speak. You know, a lot of people are afraid, you know, even if you just write them a letter and if you don't want to get up and speak in front of people, writing a letter is, you know, a good way to go. But I think it's almost more important at the local level because, you know, I say this all the time, all politics is local. Mm -hmm. If we can start by excising the rot at the ground level, you know, who's going to be there to take on those uh, those larger positions at like the you know county, state, federal. I mean, if we get good people into politics and into positions of leadership, then they can then arise through the ranks and maybe we can start addressing this at a larger level. Yep. I just wanted to uh, thank you uh, for for standing up and fighting when, you know, it's so hard this day and age to, you know, it, when you're inside of it and seeing it and be able to come out and speak, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's commendable. I mean, that's, you know, kudos to you for standing up. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thanks for all that you're doing. And because what you're doing is the most important thing is, you know, at the local level, it's super important. And I think somehow, how we've lost, we, we forget because the government is trying to make us forget that the government is for the people and right by the people. Yeah. <laughs> As a government employee, I am a public servant. My, my goal is to help not harm. And so I think a lot of people, a lot of people in government don't want people to remember that, that the government is here for us. Yeah. It's not the other way around. Right. And so we have every right to speak out when we see things that are wrong or that don't uh, jive with what we believe. So good for you. Alter or abolish. They have forgotten that aspect of it. They feel like, uh, we, yeah, we, we are the ones that are serving them. That's the that's the way they act nowadays. Yes. All right, guys. That's all I wanted all right. to say is thank you for everything. All right, you brother. Guys, good evening. Yeah, you too. Appreciate yeah, you. All right. We've got one final caller, Colin. We're bringing Colin in. And then we're going to be wrapping it up for the evening. Thank you very much to everybody for the quality calls. Thank you for hanging out with us. And uh, Colin, welcome back to the program, buddy. How you doing? Good. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Got you good. All right. Good, good, good. Good evening. Good evening. How are you tonight? Uh, Deanne is not responsible. Oh, for stop it. Sorry, brother. It came back. <laughs> all right. There we go. I just went okay. away. I paused it and it went all the way back to the beginning. I'm so pleased uh, that somebody has got the, I don't know what, uh, you've got something special. If you can continue doing this type of work on this subject matter, um, I do everything I can to avoid it because every time I get wrapped into it again, it just rips me apart. So, Lord, I lift up this woman and all those people that do this, the brother that was on a minute ago, 
And I ask you to put a protective shield around them, that anything that would come against that would be negative or harmful that would reflect back and cause that harm to the one who would be sending it to them. Lord, we cast out any demons that might be in the way and getting in the way, and we ask that you go in and confound as they go everywhere. They would be confounding, that they would be like the ones at the Tower of Babel, that they would not understand what is going on, and then they would recognize you and see that it is you that goes with them, and that they must confess and come to Christ. They ask all this in Christ's name, so shall it be. Amen. 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 Thank you. In the name of Christ, name it is so then. So I really, you know, I usually call in when I think I can help, quote unquote, help somebody with something. And I wasn't going to call in. And then I got a call um, that uh, from a friend who said I should call in at the very least to warn you. Um, I don't know what's going on with this thing. It's talking to me. Sorry. Hold on. <laughs> no, that's okay. Let's try again. IPads. iPads doing weird stuff. Um, so let me just share with you a, a few things, if I may. Of course. Okay. Um, what I do is mostly law stuff. I'm just self-taught, so on. I've won a lot of cases, help people win cases, so on. Um, I just want you to be aware ahead of time that the judge that you may be bringing an action in front of uh, may be the one that uh, was the first diddler of that child that you're trying to help track down. So um, what does it say? It says it's almost impossible to convince somebody of the truth when their livelihood depends upon them believing the lie. Mm. So be aware of that. Why, and the reason I'm sharing that, and, and you can talk to me at any time. I'm just, this is all I do now, 24-7, but call me when it comes to strategy. The trick is to paint a picture with pixels so they can't see the picture. Mm. That's the key. When you want to... And you have to box them in all the way to, all the time. You have to force them to abide by the law so they get you box them in, box them in, box them in, box them in. And always make sure you have backup, backup, backup. And all the evidence that you want, you're going to want to come together and show that the state, and you, the way you do that is by noticing the state, that you have a company, a corporation, something, not, doesn't matter what it is. All corporations are creatures of the state and presumed to be for the benefit of the public. So a lot of people have this misunderstanding about corporations. You with me so far? I know I'm kind yeah. of... No, nope. I'm with you. I'm tracking. The other thing that's very, very important, know your target. Okay, I can't help, but I, I kind of teach. That's what I do. Know your target. Remember, it was, uh, what was it, Mark Taylor, who said targeted prayer. And I'm a witness. You know, God was sharing that with me. And then when we started focusing on our prayer group with targeted prayer specific, it makes all the difference in the world. Two more gather money. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. So when you say things like government, uh, group, organization, we want to get before Congress, et cetera, et cetera, all those are like shooting at the moon. They literally do not exist. Okay? Congress is nothing. It's just on paper. Right. You want to know your target, and this is particularly for people who pray. You want to get to know these people that are in these positions of public trust, okay? Doesn't matter where it is. If it's a corporation, if it's a legal entity, if it has a license, and that includes media, by the way, it is a mere legal entity that exists only on paper, okay? And even one case, it says, exists only in the minds of man. So what you have to do, it's subject to the paper, so you have to make sure that you make your record ahead of time and then show that they have failed to do their duty. Now you can bring it to the federal court, okay? 
And once you get into federal, don't think that they're any different there. So you have to box them in again. Now, I'm on a mission, right? well, several missions, but one of them right now, I'm getting ready to go to the Supreme Court. Um, I was, I was going to go there for other purposes, but now something else has popped up that I think is more important. But the bottom line is, let's go to Article 1, <clears throat> Section, I think it's Section 1, no, Section 10. Um, uh, that in all of the cases where ambassadors and something in all other, case, all other cases where states are a party to the action, you're going to love this, the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction. Interesting. Yeah, and I can share some other stuff how you can go straight to the Supreme Court. Think of it this way. If you're at McDonald's, yes, yes. Well, I'll give you, Zach can give you my information. Call me 20, basically, I'm awake 24 7 anyway. I just okay. wait for the next phone call, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, for instance, 18 USC 241 is super powerful, 18, 18 USC 242. But the point that I'm making is this when you look at their actions, you can see that there are breaching those laws that are subject to the constitution they've all sworn an oath article six they've all yes. sworn an oath to support the constitution problem is they don't know it they don't want to know it okay so once again you want to target who it is who is it particularly when you're praying okay because we're living in two we're basically in two different worlds aren't we yeah well we're instructing so we have to get proper instructions my favorite is to say, please have them think they're speaking a lie, but their mouth will speak the truth. That's a great prayer, right? Yep. Well, target the individual. It's somebody who's in that position. The position itself, just like guns. Guns do not kill people. People use guns to kill people. It's the same thing here. Governments are not corrupt. The Congress is not corrupt. It is people that are in Congress that are corrupt. Now, watch this. Guess where those congressmen and senators come from? Local municipalities, people, don't they? Yep. And they are our representatives in Washington, D.C. Congress and all that nonsense, right? So my point is, is that when we create local regimes, if you will, where they know the law because we require them to know it, they memorize it like I have memorized it, they understand it. They have knowledge of it. They know how to accurately use it. All of this goes away because then you're going to have prosecutors that will prosecute. You see where I'm going with this? Yes. Right, right now, we don't have prosecutors that prosecute. There's no accountability. There's no liability. That's what basically we do. We create a uh, liability on them, and we basically put the pressure on them, sue them privately. But I like to go after the state. State, number one, has deeper pockets. And when you go directly after the state, the state attorneys general has to fight you directly, not indirectly. They're willing to sacrifice any one of their – they don't care about any of those people. They're just useful idiots in a position, you see. But when you go after the regime, that's a whole different thing. And you prove your – once you prove your case and you present – they now have to do something about it. That's another thing we do too. The law requires – because I found it the other day. It was a eight uh, – no, 42 U.S.C. 1983 is a deprivation of rights. And then God said, well, just check out 1985 and 1986. I'm like, oh, there it is, right? So we have the laws. Remember, all the whole reason government was created was to what? Secure these rights and provide for our safety and happiness. So the laws are there. The fact that we're not using it is kind of like having a remote for a, uh, 
uh, a drone and you're going, oh, what's wrong with the drone? And the remote's sitting right in our hands. Interesting. Literally. Yeah. Yep. So um, I will simply say, um, um, I will introduce you to, it's, I, I changed the name, it's called Mandatory Competency Testing. See, this is something that we can do in our local areas, right? Our little local areas, because name a company or a business you can work for that you're not competent. Government. Yep. See what I'm getting? <laughs> I totally get that. Yep, totally get it. <laughs> and everybody's been really picking up on it, lady. I'm so thankful. And, and, and brother, I'm, I, I hear you. Your language is like, yes, it's, it's about the local. It's about the local. It's about, it's exactly right. right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the ants or the grasshoppers or whatever it was. When the ants come together in little villages, and then those little villages communicate with other little villages, now we have one big, huge unit. And we're going to be able to isolate and separate because they're so small. It's just a few. I mean, yeah. it may be thousands in actual fact, but most of the ones that are go-alongers to get-alongers, once you remove those, which testing will do, and those go-alongers to get-alongers will go, man, I really need my job. Well, dude, all you got to do is pass the test. Man, but that's too much to study. So guess what he's going to go do if he really needs that job? He's going to go study. Mm-hmm. And once you go study and once you read the law, that's why I memorize it so I can quote it. Once you listen to the law, once you read the law, you cannot continue doing the things you're doing because I use the, the three questions. Isn't it true that you're obligated and duty bound to obey any lawful order? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Isn't it also true that you're obligated and duty bound to disobey any unlawful order? Uh, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I go, now, this is, the, this is the shutdown. This puts the nail in the coffin. And I've had more people come back to me days, weeks, even years later. How are you supposed to know whether you're obeying a lawful command, or whether you are committing a crime, if you do not know what the law says as it's written, not as somebody interpreted you. And I'm telling you, watch these people look white as a sheet. So let me say one other thing to to prove this and bring this home. And I think one of the greatest things that has happened in this entire generation of, of everything that's happened, the greatest thing that Congress, which all of them, as far as I'm concerned, 98% of them are corrupted anyway, but one of the greatest things they did was present legislation to do what to the IRS? Abolish it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this is what this here, what it's done, it's opened up this, the genie's box. Now people go, we can abolish the IRS. What? The IRS is not superior to the government, to Congress. What, what do you, what do you, one minute, everyone in every country, everywhere in the world was scared of the IRS. Now all of a sudden the IRS is going, don't abolish us please don't abolish us (laughs) but this is so important because people realize the power is in the hands of the people let me ask you one quick question does the legislature make laws okay is that a trick question (laughs) (laughs) it's a trick question (laughs) no no the legislature does not make laws the people make laws through the legislature the people, all power comes from the people. We are literally the creators of government and everything derived from government. Now, our creator did not grant us powers to impose on other people, did it? Mm-hmm. So therefore, it is impossible for us to grant powers that we are without. So if we can't impose on others because we're not authorized. We can't authorize somebody else to do it. And that's the bottom line in every single situation. Go, well, can I do that? No. Can you do that? No. Well, how come they can do that? 
because they work for us. So wait a minute, they get their power from us. You see, mm-hmm. it's so simple. And the bar association has taken over literally a complete monopoly. For the first time in 20 years, in two courts, federal and state, I was told I could not speak, even though I had power of attorney properly signed. I could not speak uh, for that person because I didn't have a bar card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yep. that serious. And trust, we used to do trust. Uh, one of his guests uh, that 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 um, Red Pill had on, that Zach had on a while ago, is Dave, um, hold on, Jose. Uh, uh, Jose. Yep. Great guy, love him, been talking to him since. Um um, basically what he's doing is, is the, the same kind of thing we did with trust, but now they don't care about trust anymore. He found something they do care about, which is a private, uh, a, so, a membership private members association. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. Private yeah. membership association. Thank you. Well, they, apparently they respect that because that's what the bar association is. <laughs> Interesting. But it's basically the same process. The bottom line is we are, as the beneficiaries have no duty or obligation to fill out any papers, to do anything whatsoever special. They are the ones, remember, remove us and replace with them because they are the servant. What have you done? Where are you doing? That's why I always say he who is asking is acting as king. So when you, you always asking the question of the servant, the servant must answer. And I, I have a whole thing I did on that, how I stood up against 35 secret service agents downtown D.C. at the end of the Bush administration to prove exactly what I share with you. I don't share things unless I've proved them myself, okay? <laughs> I got the uh, scars to show it, you might say. But, right on. but I want you to know that. that that. Um, so anyway, I guess that's that's – I don't know what else to say but to say thank you and blessings and lots and lots of blessings. I'll put thank you guys you in touch. Thank so much. Absolutely. Yes, definitely, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Colin. Thank you, buddy. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. <clears throat> All right. Uh, just final thank yous here before we get uh, the final thoughts from Tara. Uh, over on Buy Me a Coffee, someone bought me three coffees. I appreciate it. Gator said, God bless you both. And then Michelle M. also bought me a coffee. And then over on Cash App, Mitzi said, uh, we love and support your show. So thank you very, very much. Oh. All right, Tara. At the end of the program, I always like to ask the guest, you know, what do you want the audience to take away from our conversation tonight, most of all? Wow. Well, be brave and do something, as as Project Veritas would say. Um, Really investigate for yourself so that you can be confident that what Zach has brought to you tonight and what I've shared is the truth. You are witnessing government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded child trafficking. You, your tax dollars, are being used in this scheme. And I would say one voice can make a difference. Your voice can make a difference. So call your congressmen, call your senators, call your state houses, you know, and and just ask, where are the unaccompanied children? You know, where are they? And I'm I'm believing that the more people who know, it's the harder and harder it's going to be for the mainstream media and for our legislators to to put their heads in the sand on this and pretend it doesn't exist. This is a horror that's happening all around us. 
and we can't we can't allow it to continue because they're what they're doing with these migrant children they will be doing with other children as well mm-hmm. so we we need to now is the time now is the time to stand up do something absolutely amen all right, Tara, do you have any uh, public social media profiles that you want people to follow or any websites that you want to give out? So I'm working on that, um, and I will have that. For right now, if you want to reach out to me, I have my just regular uh, Twitter page, which is me, Tara Lee Rodas, and you can follow me there. Uh, I will be setting up some social media soon, and I'll make sure that I get that to Zach and we can get that, get that out to everybody. Okay. Awesome. Good stuff. Terry, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and thank you for your bravery and telling your story. And uh, I'm happy to help in any way that I can in the future. To everybody out there in the audience, thank you very much for hanging out with us. And thank you, Tara, for doing a little bit of overtime. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, tonight's Saturday, so I'm off tomorrow. So I'll see you guys on Monday. And until that time, good luck, everyone, and God bless. We'll see you then.
I just wanted to say thank you to Rock Chip Two, who says thank you RP for sharing these Patriots on your platform tonight. Heart wrenching, but great show. I believe God miraculously placed DJT as our president to eradicate the evil over the children. I couldn't agree with you more. Do me a favor, guys. Please hit that like button on your way out the door. Sixteen hundred people still here. 597 likes. It is free and it really, really helps the program. Please hit the like button. We'll see you on Monday.